Charles. Howdy doody. Howdy doody, hey. Afternoon all, hail, howdy doody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Glad we rehearsed that. Welcome, <laughs> welcome to the podcast, Throwing the Power. As you might know, my name is Frank. My name's Tom. I'm holding I Frank's am, hand. I am, I am, I am. Why are you holding hands? Because I just thought we needed some intimacy. I'm trying to let go. <laughs> it's the reenactment of the final scene of Breaker Morant. Um, that's a. They go to the firing squad and hold hands. That's no? a deep pull. Wow. That is a I've not deep, seen that's it. That's archived. It sounds like I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds really sad. Uh, What's your name? Oh, I'm Marcus. And I'm Chris. <laughs> and this is the podcast Throw in the Power where we talk about movies uh, and the, the I guess the concept is that I like a film and Chris hates a film hey. and then Marcus and Tom are neutral parties and we all argue and debate and have a conversation. And sometimes we swap roles. Yeah, like I might. <laughs> anyway, everyone has opinions about films and we talk about them. <laughs> so thanks for listening. And today we're talking about... <laughs> and the crowd goes, no worries, Frank. Thanks for listening. <laughs> does sound like a sign-off. They're going to be like, all righty. <laughs> no, no, we have four more hours to go. Okay. Gosh. What are we talking about today? Joker. Joker. 2022, hey. directed by Todd Phillips. Did you just say 2022? 2019. Okay. <laughs> Which of us is looking at the IMDb right now? <laughs> it says two hours and two minutes. I got confused. That is confusing. Numbers are really hard. Uh, directed by Todd Phillips, starring Joaquin Phoenix. Joaquin. And a few other people. Um, I guess let's hands up who liked this film. Are we going to say what we give it rating out of? Oh, sorry. What are, right. what are we, we give rating? the rating? Before we give the rating? No, but as in why we rate our movies out of 11. Oh, have you why got- Why do we, Tom? Uh, no, I was going to skip it because I'm just sick of being let down. I've got one that you're going to be happy with this time, Frank. <laughs> okay. Don't okay. hype it. Don't hype it. This movie was nominated for 11 Oscars. And oh. so I thought that would make you very happy that that lines up that way. Because it's yep. factual. But I have another one. Oh, <laughs> another one. <laughs> Which is uh, 11, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, Frank, I'm sorry, but it's the number of callback auditions you got for the singing Subway guys in this movie. <laughs> I think you got right up to that last. No, no, no. I think they said send in a clown. Yes. And Frank, and they, and Frank got in. Came in. Wow. And they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Not sing it. <laughs> That was a really good bit. I'm not even mad. Yeah, so I um, it's very funny. I think Chris, you referenced weeks ago now. Uh, Marcus was was talking about some part of a movie that strained credulity, credulity that you just couldn't believe. And Chris, you were like, "Well, of course." And in Joker, there's those guys who know word for word those songs <laughs> yeah. from that Sondheim musical. And Marcus is like, "Fuck, <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah. Like, that's a weird plot point." In and he also movie. starts yeah. he starts in the verse, and it's you know it's not even the catchphrase. Interesting. Anyway, so what's you know, the first line of sending of what he sings? Oh, Danny boy! <laughs> no, Jesus. I can't. Well, um, before we um, obviously debunk this whole thing, yeah, uh, are we going to work you mean out who debunk? Loved? Are we, we going to prove this movie didn't exist? We're going to debate. Exist. We debate it. As no, I debunk. Said it. It's oh. not real, like birds. Let's <laughs> debunk. Take. Debunk the myth of why it's so good. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm in, uh, hands up. Who liked it? Oh, I love this film. Hands Anyone? Up in hands up. Listener, or Detroit. There's two hands up high, guys, and they're both Marcus's. No, one of, them, <laughs> one of them is Frank's, one is Marcus's. Marcus, what Great. do you give this movie? Oh, oh. Ten. Ooh. Okay. So that means it's your favourite movie of all time. <laughs> I stand by that. I will die on that hill. My favourite <laughs> film of all time is a ten. I, this film is not my favourite film of all time. This is a 10. Why do you keep going back to that same hill and stabbing yourself and saying, <laughs> I will die here. This is my hill. I can never be happy. Uh, fair call. 10 out of 11. Frank, what do you think? Um, not quite a 10, probably like a 7.7. 7. Okay. So, like, I liked it, but it's not. Yeah, it's not a 10. It's not That's perfect. Cool. Um, but I just, you, I don't think you can go past Joaquin in this mm. film. 
He's very, very good. Holy gosh. Yeah. So, you know, most of my 7.7 is for him. Uh, let's move to Thomas or Chris. My mother used to call him Joquin when I was a child. <laughs> I think that might be that's the correct, one of my that's correct pronunciation. Memories. She'd be like, Joquin Phoenix. And I was like, that's not a real person. <laughs> I mean, and then I saw a photo of him and was like, I'm still not convinced. <laughs> Maybe phonetically correct. Yeah. But yeah. He was born rain, if I'm not mistaken. Oh. I think his name born, was- No, no. He was born in the rain. My bad. Sorry. <laughs> I've got my prepositions. Uh, and, his, uh, in there, no. and his brother was born in a river. Yes. It's a whole thing. And that's thing. how it happened. Uh, up top of Phoenix. Um, he, I would give this movie a 3.8. Wow. What? No, I don't like this movie very much. 3.8. <laughs> Yeah. To uh, to quote Fallout Boy, oh, no. is there a word for bad miracle? Three. Oh, I oh. pressed the button too early, but that's Holy not a great shit. score. Let's just go back to what Fallout Boy song is that? Is there a word for bad miracle? It's off the new album, right? Okay, so it's not. Send in my love. Not that it's song. send in the clouds. <laughs> no, I don't know. Is this film my cats? I'm starting to worry that I've overshot here and there's two threes. Frank's kind of coming into bat for it. And I'm like, no, this is great. This is one of the best films made in the last five years. As I text you every night. It's the best film of 2022. Yeah, of 2022. As I text you every (laughs) night before you go to bed, Marcus, I'm going to make your life cats. And so this is the start of that just like gaslighting situation where every- Life cats. (laughs) 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 I want you to feel gaslit every time you bring a movie in here you love. No, I don't want you to feel that I'm immediately going to backtrack on that. I just don't like this movie. (laughs) I don't know why I said that. Welcome to my experience with Stargate. You're allowed to love it, mate. That, the, that's the yeah, point. No, 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 that's true. That is Here's true. the difference. You were cackling like a madman. <laughs> <laughs> I had a great time watching it. I had a great time doing that part. I'm not going to lie. But I feel, like, uh, I feel like you two, Chris and Tom, are on the, I was about to say the wrong side of history. But, like, the general consensus is that this film is more than a five. Like, I would say this is a very polarising film. I don't think this movie came out and people were just like, oh, tens across the board. I think people loved it and people hated it. Absolutely. But but more people love it than hate it. Uh, If we had a fifth person, they would love it. I I can't defend that Mathematically. I I think that- It's a a 59 on Metacritic. Yeah, it's uh, pretty close to dead split, but you're right. Yeah, it's a slight- But it's an 8.4 on IMDb. Yes, but you get a lot of stuff on IMDb that I find a little bit more- You don't trust it. I don't know. I have my problems with IMDb. You know, if you go on IMDb, the greatest movies I've of all seen time. Your, I've uh, seen your Reddit. You've seen my, my blog post. My, the <laughs> greatest pod films. Ghost. My pod ghost. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, <spooky>. <laughs> <laughs> um, I find that IMDb, you know, the top movies of all time are The Dark Knight, Shawshank Redemption, and, you know, Fight Club. The Godfather and so like, It can't be wrong, Some right? of those are very good <laughs> movies, but it's very populist in a way that I find a little bit just at best sort of dubious. And, yeah, I, I think that Joker is definitely a polarising movie. I know as many people who hate this film as love it. Sure. Well, you know, yeah, two of each. Even in this room yeah. right now, yeah, <laughs> including me, yeah. Well, we should just quickly hit, like, it did well uh, commercially. 59, $55 million budget. It made a billion dollars. It's the only R-rated film to have done it. Yeah. It's very successful. Deadpool, it won, it won Deadpool did us. not. Uh, oh, was Deadpool? No, Deadpool, Ed Deadpool was. Deadpool was, uh, was, was yeah. I don't think it made a billion. I think really? Now I think it's in the seven. Now I'm second guessing, but I believe this was the at least this was the first to do it. So no, maybe Deadpool two did, but no, that doesn't. No, sound so, right. that doesn't sound right. No, either. this uh, is the Ryan first. Ryan would have tweeted every day. Yeah. If, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I believe this is the first and only R-rated movie to make a billion, um, and it's the only R-rated comic book 
adjacent movie aside from Deadpool as well. Yeah, Deadpool right. made seven eighty two. That's pretty right. Close. Wow. Okay. Off a fifty eight million dollar budget, so mm. essentially and the same. Definitely mm. a much more crowd pleasing movie. Like Deadpool has that aesthetic and energy and sort of meta aspect to it that people found. And you know, Ryan Reynolds, very very appealing sort of. <laughs> well, star. let's be honest. Well, this can't go past him. This film was intentionally um, trying to drive something. Like there yeah. was there was a message behind it. It. Uh, what was it had the a lot? It had a lot to say. Look, I don't know. Being that I'm giving this a ten, I, I'm still not 100 percent clear on what what message they were really going for here. Do you think it's about like the solidarity and loneliness and no support for mental illness in society? And possibly, I think I think it'd be too easy to say that was the case. Mm. I don't think you're necessarily meant to empathise with his character in this. I think it might appear like that on the surface, um, but ultimately, there's more to say than that, and. I apologise, I just don't think I've quite worked that out yet. That's why I love the the mystery and the sombre notes that it does hit. There's something. There's so much to it and I would just want to – I want to watch it again but I want to give it like four years. How you know many times I mean? have you seen it? This is my third. Okay. Yep. Which I feel was probably a bit premature. I did watch it the third time and go, oh, I could have waited another couple of years before coming back to this. Um, but I still would give it a 10. You were saying you went and saw this at the cinema back in 2019, right? Yeah, cinema first time and I'm glad I did. Which would have put it because it was like October this movie came out uh, Mm -hmm. worldwide and international release. Mm -hmm. That would have been one of the last movies you went and saw before the pandemic hit. Yes. Things you see in the pandemic era I think have a bit of a, especially a cinematic thing, a lingering thing. I could tell you all three or four movies I saw from like late 2019 to 2021 or 2022 because there were so few of them. I saw like- You mean in the cinema? In the cinema. I saw like Promising Young Woman, Dune- uh, right after that, I saw the new James Bond. June. It's June. No, it's Dune. <laughs> Every time. <laughs> Duen. Duen. Oh. So, yeah, Joke is a movie that has lingered for you. Uh, what were you saying, Chris? Sorry. No, I think sort of Frank's intro and is to his score, I think, nails this film on the head. Joaquin is extraordinary yeah. in this film. Um, to, you know, root for such an anti-hero... Yet you're kind of still with him at the end. Everything's gone to shit, but you're still like, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm kind of still with you here. And which you know, is and you know, he's a bad person. You've just seen him do oh, six murders total. Is it that he personally does? And uh, you're still- alleged. <laughs> I know, I know, I know exactly where Marcus is yes. going with this. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Are you thinking it's all in his mind? Are we going to talk about that? Well, there's there's things to touch on. I'm going well, to let you guys okay, talk. Okay, I'm going to say there's the three guy, the three uh, Wall Street Bros on the train. Yep. There's the two other clown co-workers he has that come to his house and he stab- Sorry, yes, no, yeah, one. Mm-hmm. And then Robert De Niro. So five. And mum. Oh, yeah, he's, he smothers his mum. So six. You smothers are, his mother. Technically <laughs> on paper, you would be right. Yes, oh, yeah, so on paper. In PPR. I'd be correct. Um, <laughs> nice accent. Okay, so. It's so good ever since Marcus started saying genre and homage. Suddenly it's. Yes. <laughs> and Ted Lasso. <laughs> but, I was waiting for that. <laughs> but he kills five people. Wait, six? Oh, I can't remember. doesn't matter, but he kills, he kills people. And he was still like, yes, Put on a happy face. Oh yeah, the Joker's here. Is that how you? That's how I felt. Because you always, I forget it's a comic book movie. Well, he's the clown prince of crime. Like this, he is notoriously one of the biggest pieces of shit in the DC universe, but equally as likable. Wow, this is, he's such a powerful character. 
Um, well, this goes into the thing that do you think this is Joker Joker or this is the inspiration of the comic book Joker? There's, it's drawn from a lot. Mm. It's draw, it's taken a lot because because there's so many wild theories around the Joker's origin, who he is, how he um, you know integrates into um, the world of Gotham and and how he becomes the Yang to Batman's Ying. Mm. Um, but he's super interesting, and I look. There's theories going around that he's not even Joker. He's not even the Joker. No, he's a Joker, or he's he's the um, representation of all the, but it spawns someone else idea, to, to put it. the mask on or that's to put it. his face. Yeah, I don't believe that. I think that's bullshit. Mathematically, it, it's not necessarily an aspect of the movie that I find too interesting. But I know I've seen those things. And mathematically, I guess if we are calling this canon to whatever degree we are, that would have to be right because Joaquin Phoenix is like mid forties in this movie, and Bruce Wayne's nine, maybe ten. <laughs> so, like, is Bruce Wayne going to become Batman at thirty, and Joker's going to be? 65, 70 years old. Like, well, famously, the Joker was always like 10 to 15 years roughly sure. ahead of Bruce. But it's much older. So there's, it's a bit jarring and I, I've written that in my notes as well. It's even, probably the one gripe I've got. Even yeah. with the timeline of like, which we know there's the, oh, is Thomas Wayne his father or is his mother crazy or we don't know, right? Mm. But like you see him and the man who plays Thomas Wayne, whose name I've forgotten. Brett Cullen. Yes, thank mm. you. And it's like who looks oh, remarkably like Chris Cooper from American Beauty. And I think yeah, that that's true. Energy. And not only that, they have like 15, 16 years between them max. So Joaquin, like, or you know, uh, Arthur must be standing there in the bathroom at that moment when he confronts Thomas Wayne and be like, "This doesn't check out." Like, how could this guy <laughs> well, realistically? I mean, obviously, he's I unstable. Think Arthur believes it. Yes, he, he does. Believe and his I, know, mom. I know. I know. I'm. I'm yeah. I'm There's a lot of things here. Do you think he's actually? Like, how old do you think he is in this film? How old do you think he's depicted? Forty-two. Sure. Yeah, I would say early to mid-40s. I think he's meant to look because he's so strung out and he looks awful. Mm. But I think that the argument that if you want to say, well, he's a really, really rough-looking guy in his mid to late 30s, I'd go, oh, yeah, okay. But, like, either way, he's definitely a guy in that range. And, like, I don't know. I My issues with the movie play into some of what you were talking about with, the, like, the theories about it. And it's like, well, the interactions with Bruce Wayne and we see the shot of Bruce's parents getting shot in an alley for the 700th time across <laughs> all movies hmm. and the pearls and all that. And a lot of that stuff doesn't work for me in the same way that something, to go back to a movie we talked about ages ago, the Ghostbusters uh, Afterlife, Ghostbusters mm. yeah. Next World, uh, that movie, the moments it was like, ah, you remember this? I was like, I don't care. And like I don't with this movie, it, I, I kind of did the same thing. Sorry, I'm no, that's okay. You off. That's I, I don't saying. think that's what this was trying to do. Maybe. I think it's very different. Maybe. I think I understand your example. Yeah, I think yeah. It, on that note, it's it's interesting that that they even have the Bruce Wayne tie-in. You almost not that you don't need it, but especially the parents getting killed in the alleyway. It's it oh, comes out of nowhere. It's like oh, absolutely. Todd Phillips or the studio went. It's a Batman film. Remember, you got to have this bit. Or you I gotta agree. Have, you don't. It need might it. be like. Yeah, it's a bit crowbarred in. It's yeah. such a simple fix to that scene. You have the Waynes coming out the front of the theatre. Mm -hmm. They head down an alleyway and you see a guy turn and follow them. That's it. End. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I swear to God, my memory of this movie, I watched it for the second time this morning and I watched it back in late 2019, early 2020, and I thought that's what happened. Oh, and I remember yeah. thinking, that's oh, a bit heavy-handed. And then today I'm watching it and I'm like, oh, you see him <laughs> kill them? Yeah. Jesus. And it's, and it's like, not so, necessary. It's yes. so from the comic book. It's so like the slow-mo pearls going everywhere. We didn't need to see it. Just have him walk down the alley. That would have been great. And just a nice, a nice little homage. To answer your question from before, I don't think um, – 
I, I don't think that Thomas Wayne is his father. I think that that's no, I don't think he is either. Very much at the end, it's resolved. Yeah, I'm saying that Mum was mad. I guess mad I'm I'm getting into that, and then as I'm getting into it, going like, but I don't care. I don't care about how these things line up because I think one of the weakest aspects of this movie is its sort of fealty to or like commitment to the Batman IP. I think there's a mm. better movie here that just watches Walking mm, Phoenix. <laughs> yeah, King exactly. of Comedy. Yeah, so no, then no, no. you're like, I get so that. like what am I doing with Audi Taxi Driver? Well, that's know? that's a lot of the criticism as well is why, like why does this movie lean so heavy on the King of Comedy Taxi Driver? And it's like sh- not shot for shot, but there are so many scenes that are like, oh, that's from Taxi Driver. Oh, that's from, it isn't removed from them. It's sure. like the same but without saying anything extra, without adding to that dialogue, without critiquing what's come before. And people are like, well, what's the point of Joker? You know, like why does it exist? And I think that I, I can't answer that question, I feel like. I think it exists because for whatever reason, like Marcus said, he's become a very uh, compelling character. Mm. And, and like basically starting with Tim Burton and not to say like when they had like Cesar Romero and like then there's been new versions of him all throughout different permutations, but kind of Tim Burton bringing him back with Jack Nicholson, a serious actor yes. who was like, I will do this, give me all the money in the world, but I'll do this. And then- And like broke new ground, absolutely. was incredible, was revered. That turning into Mark Hamill giving like an incredible renowned voice performance as the Joker and then Heath Ledger. Um, uh, and Jared Leto. No, that was the gas year. We don't talk about that. We don't talk about Jared Leto. But uh, then we, <laughs> I'm just, I'm immediately like- I think there is a terrible tragedy to it though. If- Heath Ledger were still alive, this film wouldn't exist. Yeah. It's because, to me anyway, Nolan had plans for Joker in the third film. We never got it. We never got more of the Joker that we wanted. And so there was opportunity and interest and so this was made. That's how I see it. Absolutely. The fans have been begging for an origin story. Yeah, love the Joker. But this, again, this isn't an origin Really, like like we're saying, we're like, that's not the real Joker. That's not Joker Joker. You'd love to see like the remake of The Killing Joke, the graphic novel, shows the origin of the Joker to some degree, but it's only 30 minutes of that film. That, like that's what would be, that would be awesome to see. Imagine seeing Joker grow up, all this interesting life points. And Can then, we fact check that? Is The, the Killing, Killing jo- Joke a bit further down the track? No, no, no. Killing Joke is like... What do you mean by that? As in, no, oh, as I, an origin story. Yeah, I yeah. don't believe it's, it's an like origin. He, he has yeah. become the Joker already and then it kind of gives him a bit of a background as to this is what happened. I had a wife and I had this. He had a wife and he was a, strugg- like, he was a struggling mm, comedian. Yes. So Alan he, Moore wrote it with whoever made mm, The Killing Joke mm. with Alan Moore back in the 80s, I want to say. Like maybe it was even the 70s. And it's the, it's the first one to go well, what's up with this guy and where does this evil and this sort of very ostentatious form of, of diabolical nature come from? And I think it's significant that years later Alan Moore has said, like I read that comic when I was 19 or 20 and I remember being like, wow, that's pretty dark and it's fucked up. You know, it's about when he like paralyzes one of the Batman's associates, like one of the girls and it gets it's, paralyzed. Uh, Barbara Gordon. Yeah, yeah, Barbara Gordon, that's it. And a lot of fucked up things happen in that one. And Alan Moore has come out in recent years and been like, I don't know if I like The Killing Joke. I feel like it's just a bit nihilistic for the sake of it. I don't know if there's anything actually there. I think The Joker, and a lot of people have talked about this. This is not my observation. The Joker's probably most interesting because of his chaotic nature that's unexplainable. 
maybe the, one of the cleverest bits of screenwriting in The Dark Knight is you want to know how I got these scars and then it's three different versions. And I'm like, yeah, I don't actually want to know, but I want to know what you're going to say every time. And then once you say, no, this is how it happened, I'm like, no, that's interesting. I think it's more the muck and the the sort of oblique nature of the Joker is way he, more interesting than let's spend two hours He could hours come with from him. anywhere. He exactly. could do anything at any point. Yeah, that's a good point. I don't I like, like the... Well, let's explain it all. And That's I th- right. Look, yeah. The Joker's depicted as multiple personalities. So you see the, the different sides of him in each depiction. Uh, Heath Ledger's was famously the, the anarchist, right? So then you see Leto unfortunately had a bit of a bad run with it and it wasn't great timing and there was a whole bunch of I wonder whose fault that politics. was. There must have been someone involved. Look, I, who, uh, yeah. Oh. There's a lot to I that. just remember it was Jared Leto. Go yeah. on. <laughs> That's the problem. I think he had a good... Crack at a certain angle on it. I just think it was poorly executed and it didn't help that, you know, 90% of his scenes were cut, you know, so we didn't get to see that side of that either. I don't think I would have liked it anyway from what I did see, but who cares? If it helps, there's the uh, extra law outside of Suicide Squad that you can always pay attention to, which is when he um, emailed, or sorry, emailed mailed people used condoms. who were is in that, that film actually, that's not the Jared Leto actually though, did it? that? No, that was just him. Though. Do I don't think that was a Joker associated thing. Jared Leto just did. I just that. think he just <laughs> used to do like, that to people. That's just yeah. his welcoming pack. Yeah, that's it was his right. We're moving together. Yeah, you guys will receive. You. It's very funny that people have like put up with a lot of shit from him. And I remember Will Smith doing interviews where they're like, "We heard Jared Leto was interesting on set," and he's like, "I don't want to talk about it. Fuck that guy." And you're like, "Whoa!" And like, then Will Smith said that. Will Smith well, he's like, such a like, rich paraphrase. He's like, "I don't want to talk about Jared Leto. He's not a fun guy." That's because yeah, the internet is so like. Oh, it didn't really happen, or he, like he didn't really do that. Like people defend him, and it's like sure. I don't think you need to defend him. Like the stuff that we know about Jared Leto, and this is we're going off on a tangent here, but we he's this. not a good guy. <laughs> he's like texting underage girls, bringing people back to Thirty Seconds of Mars shows, and he's a he's kind of gross. This is all allegedly Jared. Allegedly, Leto, sorry, Jared, weird guy. Yeah, um, but thank you for still being a faithful listener. And we appreciate all the feedback. Thanks for all the deliveries as well. Yeah, yeah he Thank mails you. us every Thanks for all the used sponge. He's throwing in um, something, that's for sure. I um, Just because we're talking about Jared Leto, Joaquin Phoenix, uh, Barry Kagan, Kieshen, mm. whatever the mm. young Irish fella's name is, um, Heath Ledger, you know, there's been just a spate of young or at least sort of very hot and very sort of prominent actors. I mean hot in the descriptive, like, oh, so hot right now, Hansel. Like, bookable, not, bookable. Bookable, that's way better than, <laughs> than just hot. Like Joaquin Phoenix is a lot of things, hot, mm. but he's definitely like very bookable. Maybe in Signs. So, or Brother Bear. I, I, don't think you've, I don't think you're quite right there. I don't think Joaquin's ever been known as that type of actor. He's no I river. Think, I think yeah. he's been for a long time now, that's a serious actor. Who does serious projects? Absolutely, that's what I mean. Like book, oh, bookable okay. in the sense of like he takes it very seriously, the craft, and he's very and Jared Leto. You can't get more self serious. No, right? sorry, you were uh, framing it like yeah, it's. The I next was. Uh, that's guy. it. I was like, it was like, <laughs> yes. Like uh, he's been around a while. Oh, and as soon as you called Joaquin <laughs> no, Hot, we all got confused. You're absolutely right. <laughs> I uh, apologize for Hot, but the guys who very much were the big up and coming, like these guys, might be of the generation, and Heath Ledger's definitely that. And there's a world in which mm. Leo maybe played the Joker. Obviously, that world is gone and. Never Never coming back, but there's a time where it's like, I don't know, maybe Leo has a, a stab at this. It's as strange in hindsight if you go back to 2015 and someone's like, Joaquin Phoenix is going to play the Joker one day. No, I'd no, no. Like, I, think I don't know about that. But we know when, when Heath Ledger was cast, that was exactly controversial. That's exactly yeah. what I'm saying. So yeah. I think yeah. all, and then it became like 
well, any actor who plays the Joker now, it's like a prestige thing. Yeah. It's a big deal. Yeah. And fuck, maybe Leo might have taken that role in 2012 or 2013 or some other time, you know. Some of these other actors might have gone for that swing as well. I, I love Leo and this is really upsetting me for some reason, just the image of I him don't think he would have done, I don't think he would have done a good job. Okay. But <laughs> that sort of just leads me to the idea of Joaquin's performance in this movie not really working for me most of the time and I know Oh, I'm, you've got an issue with Joaquin in this. I, I'm in the minority, not just in this room. Really? Everyone who doesn't like this movie goes, oh, but Joaquin. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Okay, why not? Yeah, an example. Of why I don't like him in this movie? Well, I need something. I don't find the fake laughter a, like, elevated discomforting thing that makes me go like, oh, chills. It's just annoying. And if someone's like, oh, that's it, the point, mm, well, then, mm. No, I don't, no, no. I don't, I, I don't like point. it. I, mean, I, don't I don't think that's the point. Yeah, well, I find it annoying. I don't think, oh, okay. I find his like, <laughs> like basically his catchphrase in this movie. Who does he remind you of? Too? Oh, <laughs> shit. That's what it is. <laughs> Too close to Looking in a mirror. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I think it speaks to how uncomfortable it makes each scene. I, I, I think I think he does the laugh really well because what you read about, because it is a real condition, Um People laugh and they sometimes asphyxiate or they can't breathe and he gets to that point quite often. And I don't think the laugh, not every one of them lands in terms of you go, oh, that that felt like a... He does also boy. use it as a weapon. There's a scene in the, I think the first time they're in the locker room with the other clowns and one of them tells a joke and you can clearly see that it's him putting on a fake laugh in order mm. to get out of the situation. Yes. He's walking out. Yeah, it feels very and intentional. So yeah, you have... Two different things pulling you. You have, oh, he has a condition which causes him to laugh, but you also have, he knows that and is using it to his advantage. I agree with that. See, I feel like if he'd done that and lent into the doing it on purpose more and then he turns into the Joker, air quotes, the real one, and he started laughing like a maniac, you'd, mm. be, you'd go, ah, it's a decision. He's sort of playing the world as he wants to. But I, I, I didn't get that. I didn't get him walking down the corridor. I'm kind of go, glad it's not. Really? In the sense yeah. of? Uh, an intentional thing. Right. That he's, It's he's, a tick. I mean, it's, it's like Tourette's basically. Yeah. But what, then, what Chris is saying that then sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's him sure. faking it because, he, because he's trying to get out of an interaction or when he's at the comedy club because he's laughing when he thinks the jokes are landing. Those are, those are probably two of the only times in the movie that I'm like, eh, there's something here. Wait, do you mean the scene of the comedy club when he's when listening? When he's listening. So yeah. there's the first time where someone tells a joke and he walks out of the locker room and he's laughing and his face drops the second he's around mm. the corner. And I was like, well, that's an interesting bit. And him at the comedy club where the camera's zooming in on him and he's laughing every time the guy's like, so I talked to my wife the other day. And he's like, ah! Yeah, he's, he's laughing on he, the offbeat, He gets basically. the offbeat, exactly. Yeah. It's like syncopated laughter. Yeah. And I think there's something that you guys – We'll never get to see the joy of Frank miming syncopation just then after I said the word syncopated. <laughs> just having a dance. But Do you think in the comedy club that was intentional laughter? Like he's finding the humour in the offbeat? I think he's reacting to social cues that aren't there, which is meant to make us go, oh, this guy doesn't get social interactions. He doesn't get, which is playing up some idea of him being on the spectrum, Interesting. some idea of him like I don't get when things are funny and when they're not, mm. which is why mm. every joke he tells falls flat. But um, I think... If he was, if he were to become the Joker, we should the audience should have a bit more of that. And this is you know, the argument: is he the really is he really the Joker? But if he was, the Joker we know and love is hyper intelligent, is way ahead of everyone else in the room. Whereas Joaquin's Joker isn't. And if he is, and they're trying to play that he's laughing when he thinks it's funny and when he's he's getting it, 
we don't we don't see him as hyper intelligent. We see him as awkward and it's not reading social cues and it's not correct. So it disappoints me that as a Joker film, we get this Joker who's not uh, We've seen him as calculated. We've seen him as yeah, someone yeah, who's yeah, almost yeah. like like prescient has this ability to know what people are going to do yeah. in any moment. And like he's never caught off guard. And even when he is, he finds that hysterically funny. Yeah. And in this, he's very, very awkward, very ungainly, very sad. And then he kills people. But guys, it's and an I, origin story. I mean, he he builds but from sure, here. Sure, but I it shows but is it? it? But is it? I and believe so. I think that because it doesn't look like it. I it think doesn't from, feel like it. From when he finally makes a very conscious decision during. Uh, the talk show to act on, um, I don't, I don't want to say impulse, but like he's re- this is really methodical and really planned out, yeah. right? To the T, he has to rehearse it, right? So it's not a natural thing for him. He works toward it. It happens. The payoffs there. He, something clicks with him, and and it's not until you see that final scene where he's standing on the bottom of the car and he sees what he's created. This this sea of people that. Are there for him, yeah. and he feels like he's found his place, like he belongs. But I don't. Is is the talk show appearance rehearsed? Because we see him rehearse in his living room, mm. and he's like knock knock, and then he shoots himself. You see that happen twice. You never see him shoot Robert De Niro's character. The motif we've been led to believe, I think, the red herring of that appearance is, oh, he's going to shoot himself. But and so yes, when he shoots yes, De Niro, yes. we go, oh, right, but. Yeah. But then is it rehearsed or is it just meant to be no, misleading think, for the sake of being misleading? It's I like, think De Niro rubs him the wrong way mid-talk. It doesn't so go he changes his mind. He, he changes does, his he mind. Does. It doesn't go and the that way might, he And that might be his turning point where he goes, you know what, I'm going to stay alive. I'm going to kill all these people that piss me off. But that plays into the unpredictable nature of the Joker. Like that's that's why he was such a dangerous villain in the Batman universe because of his unpredictability. Yeah. Because Batman could not be one step or two steps ahead of this guy ever. Yeah, I think Ever, I think you're right in that context, but this one feels like clumsy unpredictability. But again, I don't. There's, yeah, it's there's, the beginning. Yeah, you know, there's a part of me that wants to completely like you know we've done this with some other movies recently where we did the first Star Wars movie mm. and we did the last Twilight mm. or the first Twilight movie last week, and I don't really think it's. I don't anyway find anything interesting for myself personally about trying to judge this movie next to the Batman lore and IP because for like to some extent Todd Phillips didn't give a shit right the the like smallest amount of uh God I've actually just got a door I'm gonna open here real quick guys sorry just give me one sec oh God <laughs> God ah uh. uh, it's almost open the in a pantry with a mic the pantry. <laughs> Do a sound effect as well. We just did it. There's an awkward pause in there that bothers me every time. I go to speak and there's more. Do you want to do it again so you can get used to it? You can say something in the middle. No, I don't want to hear it. Uh, Okay, fine. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The Todd Phillips had done War Dogs, right? Sure. You guys remember that one with Joan Hill and and didn't do very well. And your mate critically, or my mate Miles Teller, Tiles Meller is what I was about to say. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I uh, yeah didn't do very well critically or commercially, and he's like, "Fuck it, I don't know what people want anymore." And allegedly, he's like standing out. This is like might be apocryphal, who knows? But like he's standing out in the streets while his movie's playing. That he's like, ah, people don't even like this. And he's looking at all the other movies that are around. He's like, it's all superhero bullshit now. That's all it is. Fuck it. I'm going to make a superhero movie. So you're saying that Todd Phillips hijacked a superhero IP just for success? To make a movie that would be a success because of what was attached to it. But I think that as much as I was saying, if you get rid of the IP here, the movie is not beholden to it. So there's some more interesting avenues it can go down. At the same time, 
the second you get rid of that IP, this movie is nowhere near successful. Like this movie is not a $1 billion movie if that's not the Joker. I agree. I do not disagree with you. And I don't find what he did with the Joker interesting and I don't find what is there if you take the Joker stuff out of it interesting at the moment. I want a version of this where there is more texture to the world, more interesting characters outside of Joaquin. Who the fuck matters in this movie outside of Arthur? Like, you got to admit, Zazie, Zazay, Zazie, I'm so sorry. I've been looking up her name all week and I'm still not I too still sure. Zazie. Here's the <laughs> thing. She hates that. She does an interview where she's like, when people call me Zazie, it upsets me. But then she doesn't say Ooh. how to say her name, oh, <laughs> which good. is a bit of a power play. <laughs> but I think it's Zazay or Zazie uh, Bates who plays the girl he's in love with. Carmen. The neighbour. The, the neighbour. Does she have a name? Uh, maybe. And like- who gives a shit, honestly. And mm. when it's like, that was all in his head, it's like, obviously that was all in his head I and I don't care about it. The mum, Frances Conroy, like she's got a little bit to do in it. Maybe their scenes together are some of my favourite because we get a little bit of a different vibe from Arthur than just the creepy, skeletal, I'm miserable guy. Yeah, he's he, like, he's a caretaker. He's tender and- with his mum in a way that I was like, this is a new tone. This is a different note of this performance that isn't in the rest of it, which is the point, obviously, that he's that way with his mum and no one else. But, like, you know, Brian Tyree Henry's in it for a hot second. Robert De Niro, I think, is really miscast as the talk show host. I yeah. think it's a bad I performance agree. from but Robert that's, De Niro. But that's obviously like an homage to Taxi Driver and King of Comedy, Absolutely. right? Like it's like, but oh, it's, these movies are about but him. But I think it's like that's all. It literally oh, yeah, exists that's the to only be that of the head. No, yeah. but you didn't need that. Here's no. who you could cast. Alec Baldwin as that role, who right. apparently was meant to be Thomas Wayne and had to drop out. Yes. But he would have been great. George Clooney. I think would make this role really interesting. I think there's a world in which Bill Murray Bill does Murray a cool be, job with this. If he if he cared about it. If he cared great. about it. Jack Nicholson even, if you go back five-ish years before he retired, they all have a bit of a cheeky I, mm, charisma to them. Just that that wrong, think, that's the wrong choice. I wouldn't bring Nicholson mm, in. Mm, sure, but I think it's better than De Niro. I think De Niro no, no, sure, sure. is famously – have you guys ever seen Casino? Yeah. There's the scene in Casino where he – decides to start his own uh, like talk show variety show hour when he's owning the casinos because, I don't know, he's trying to stick it to the mob or the FBI. I can't remember the plot too well. but So he has a variety show in Casino and the joke is that Robert De Niro has zero charisma and so his variety show <laughs> fucking sucks. <laughs> and it's Martin Scorsese basically being like, dude, you're one of the greatest actors of your generation. You can't do live TV and you can't do comedy and you know that, right? And it's like, sure, let's make him a late night host who does like comedic bits. I think he's really bad. Is that why he went and did like Meet the Parents and stuff, do you reckon? I think he's good at scripted like- Playing the mean guy in a comedy. Yes, and playing against that sort of role. And I think he's pretty good at Silver Lining Playbook and, you know, he's done Analyze This and Analyze That. But I don't think if you ever saw him play Robert Mueller when he was on SNL, um, he would do little bits. He would do drop-ins on SNL and he was- woeful and the joke was fuck look how bad Robert De Niro is this right he's really bad and he's always reading off the cue cards I've seen one bit where he comes on Weekend Update and he's like you know Jimmy um and he's like trying to read the card and he's trying to be Christopher Walken for some reason (laughs) you know I'm not an accent guy (laughs) fuck you know should we talk about Todd Phillips the director of this film who has a very interesting I guess trajectory to get here super weird like you said he did War Dogs 2016 and then Shits the, that shits the bed and he's mad about it, then makes Joker. But, like, he started most notably with Road Trip and Old School, Starsky and Hutch. Like, three, well, Road Trip and Old School are ridiculously, like, teen American sort of frat comedies. And then Hangover, 
all three of those, due date with um, Robert Downey Jr. and Zach Galifianakis, then War Dogs, and now the Joker. And after now all his that? next movie is the Joker sequel, which yeah. for everyone playing at home will be a musical and will have Lady Gaga in it. Uh, Fallout, which is a uh, name of a very good Fallout Boy Fallout album. Boy, the best Fallout Boy album. Yeah, we're doing a lot of Fallout Boy stuff hey. here today. Um, yeah, it's going to be a musical, in. and I think it's pretty funny is that. It- the, Actually a musical. Yes. I that's thought that was said. a joke. No, and that's, and my favourite part about that is that when it got announced, both sides of the fence were pissed off. Like it was the exact right thing to make people who like, and I'm not saying maybe you liked that, but a lot of people who love this movie fucking hate that it's going to be a musical. And a lot of people who hated it were like, oh, my God, so now they're going to try to do music. And I've got to admit I'm like, I'm pretty curious. Like I think it's the oh, best. I'll, I'll be there day I one think it's the best it. direction they well, could go in because what the fuck. It, it leans into the dancing that he does in the first one. Like he dances in moments of stress and tension. Like when he kills the three guys on the train, he immediately goes to the bathroom and starts dancing. I love that scene. It might be an extension. I, I for love some that strange reason. Love it's that it's scene. almost like he's putting on a skin for the first time, the way he's moving mm. or expanding in a new body or, or discovering a new body. That's cool. And that's what I mean when I say, like, Wakeem is great. Yes. It's wonderfully put, discovering a new... I think that's... I. It's one of the few moments in the movie that I do kind of... I sit up when it comes on. Hilda, uh, she's Icelandic. It's like Gnodotir or Gnodotir. I think she won a Oscar for Best Original Score for this movie. And while I don't think about the score very often in that section... The cello that's playing. She's she's I, principally yeah. a cellist, and yeah, the way he moves and the way her score is sort of enveloping. It's, a, there it's is, just a solo cello, basically, part. and it's maybe a little bit of stuff in the background. That's, but so, that haunting, like melodic cello, is all the way through the film. Yeah, it's used a lot, and, and I don't really care about it most of the time when he's just like slinking around at his apartment, when he's like the fridge and the TV and all that. It, it doesn't really play too well for me. But again, sort of this this leans into the the point we've said a few times. If you are into it. It's all going to oh, come together absolutely. for you. That's what this I sounds this... like to me, to be honest. I... Tom just doesn't like it. Well, I think he doesn't like anything. <laughs> no, I think that he's disconnected from the start and it's hard for you to jump in at any point. Sure. Which I, I understand completely. I don't disagree with that. Um, I think the pacing is a real issue as well at times in the film. It really, really, really slows up. Yeah, the times I where I don't think it needs to. Um, but... And I'm not I'm not here to flex and say I'm a bigger Joker fan than anyone else in the room, right? But I Humble feel that break. you probably are. I, I am. I'm definitely. Am. We'll um, let you have that. Which, one. <laughs> which one's your favorite? Which one's but, your favorite? Uh, Mark Hamill for sure. Oh, you gonna say Jared? Um, but the thing that this is just a character. De- the character development in this is phenomenal, right? And you watching. Um, uh, physicality and attributes that Joaquin brings to life that we all know and love from the Joker, and it's the f- the frailty of. I mean, do you know one of the best scenes for me personally is when he's running from the police on the train on the subway, and the riots are. Ha- it's the middle of the riots. There's clowns everywhere, and he sort of blends into the crowd. Although he's wearing a red suit, you know, it's pretty obvious. But um, and the cops are trying to catch up with him, and they keep getting caught, and. Um, what he does is he runs into someone, I think, from memory, or he he falls into someone, and then he someone else gets punched. No, he gets he basically yeah, yeah, unintentionally he gets causes someone. a fight, right? Yeah. And instead of like, he never handles his own fights. He can't fight for shit, which is a a beautiful trait of the Joker. He never fights his own fights, and when he does, it's usually just straight up murder, right? 
As in when he has his baseball bat and he kills Robin, for example. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. he kill, he just kills. He uses a gun. He he uses a bat. He uses a mallet. He's a fist to fist is useless. Famously, Absolutely. every battle he has against Christian Bale in The Dark Knight, it's like he sends dogs after him. Or 100%. He, he throws right. henchmen after him or he puts a gun to Rachel. He's and like, I'm not going to fight. He says like like a fist fight with you? What the yeah. fuck? Look at me. That's like, it. Yeah, I and get they, that. They did that in um, Game of Thrones. I don't know if you remember the scene when Cersei. Right. Is talking to Littlefinger. This is really a niche reference, but and it's the power is power never heard moment. It. It's like season two, episode one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I know wow, exactly the, the moment you're talking about. Yeah, wow. She's like, that was very sees him. Glad he's here. Cut yeah. his throat. Wait, yeah. I changed my mind. Yeah, yeah. That power moment. is power, and I think that the Joker, um, that that's him at his essence, at his core. Yeah. Mm. Um, and yeah, he just pushes people into the cops, and he's just like. He's like, you fight them. Like, it's great. And I think, and him dancing on the stairs, like, for an iconic scene that it is as well. But the physicality that he shows as the Joker, it's perfect. Like, it's, it is. it's not cool to smoke anymore, but fuck, he looks good. I know. Makeup, smoke. I, I, and I'm shattered that when he goes on the talk show, he no longer has the run of blue. Makeup tear. Like, ah, yeah. Keep yeah, the, it. Yeah. The makeup keep artist it. had cleaned him up yeah. before the show. And what yeah. a beautiful so opening scene as well when he's putting the makeup on and, and that single tear runs down his face. It wasn't scripted that he cried for that just scene. Incredible. He just did. Like, the score was playing, apparently. They played the score live and he was like, woof. I have heard that, that she was on set and she's kind of composing it during the scripting and during the production phase, which is pretty unusual. And it's That's very cool. cool that that was happening. Um, sure. I think she's the only. I'm going to botch the fact a little bit, but basically. No woman has won best original score just outright. Like three other people have won it in the past, but it was when it used to be at the Oscars, like best score for a comedy or best lyricist or something. She's the only woman who's ever won best original score at the Oscars. And she's also gone on to make the one for women talking. She's done a lot of cello stuff. She's she's very cool. I'm looking forward to more stuff that she does. Didn't know that. Great. Some of the music in this is great that she she puts out there. I think it's all great. Oh, Not, she did she I, did Tar as well. She did Tar, of course. I yes. was thinking about, and that's amazing. <laughs> and she gets name dropped in Tar. Like Kate yeah. Blanchett is talking about all these composers, and she says her name at one point, and then that's winks cool. at the camera, which that's is a cool. bit much. But like, <laughs> oh, that's right. She was doing she was doing the TV show Chernobyl and this at the same yes. time, and she was like, that was really confusing. She's very talented. Anyway, yeah, she's I don't really good. Necessarily, maybe like Marcus said, and you know, we've always say sometimes goes baby with the bathwater and because there are moments or like pretty long stretches of this movie I don't like when I hear the music playing at the same time I'm just like oh, it just really doesn't like I, I don't really like this scene I don't like the music whatever but I think there are stretches where the music's very good the scene that Chris talked about where he's walking in slow-mo and smoking as the cops are running by him after he's got off the subway it's a very good shot uh, I'm less sold on him dancing to Gary Glitter but that's whatever that's say <laughs> that's say it's 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 Personal. a metaphor, you know. He's been going up the stairs the whole film. This, this time he's going, going down, down. all descent, the way down. Descent <laughs> this um, and this is another thing too with DC. Its success is driven from such a grounded setting. Like we know that Nolan's trilogy worked, famously worked, mm. because it did have a dark, gritty Gotham. And although it's still a comic book movie, it's set in the real world. Yeah, it's, yeah that's yeah. right. Although it's, I'd argue that the last Nolan movie worked less and has had a worse legacy because people did kind of get to a bit of a threshold with it because that's the exact same year, 2012. Of course. Dark Knight Rises comes out, yep. same year as the first Avengers movie. And I think everyone voted for MCU for the last 10 years. People no, 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 but went, this is my point exactly. That it's a reaction against that. Like, you know, the Phillips movie is going back to what Nolan did. 
you mean? I, I think so because everyone's now tired of the Marvel sure. um, and also machine like, so that it is. Zack Snyder's Man of Steel, all the Superman work. movies just didn't work. Because it, it was Marvel-esque. Yeah. Well, it, I it, was, it was a campy enough for people to go, I'm not into this. I definitely think we just talked about him dancing down the stairs to Gary Glitter. And, and like I, there's camp there, no yeah, doubt, but right? Worked. But yeah. I a joke as a camp character, I think we, we're sure. crossing swords here. One of the cops chasing him is called Bill Camp. That's so great. Thank you. What a great fact. So, <laughs> <laughs> Chris, Chris, we haven't heard much from you. Why did you, you gave this a three? Yeah. Yeah, you hate it more than me. It, yeah, it, wow. it ties into this slightly what we're, what we're just talking about. Um, the broader universe, okay? We are in this city of the world, Gotham. Gotham, okay. yes. yes. If this story had been simply that uh, his he, his mother believed that she'd had an affair with a millionaire, any millionaire, except Thomas Wayne, mm-hmm. I would have been on board. But they have actively tried to tie the Joker's origins to the Waynes. And as soon as that started happening on screen the first time I saw this film, my interest just broke. Really? I went no. No, that's no, that's interesting. No, no. I've got questions for you. It it but it and that wasn't it. It kept building mm. and building and it culminated in the Joker putting his fingers inside Bruce Wayne's mouth. Great scene. I nearly fucking walked out of yeah, the film. It's an awful scene. Why is this happening? Yeah. This is no one wanted this. But again, it's like a producer's walked in cock in hand going, no, nah, fuck it, it's Batman. Oh, it's Batman. You've got to put Batman shit in there. It's like, no, fuck, get that shit out. But is this this is the problem with the politics behind making a film? I'm with producers that jacket and- I'm joking there. I'm no. sorry. <laughs> it's fun because it's Batman, but Batman as well. You can't get that unless you see the Fat Man. There we go, Fat Man. The, yeah. the Bruce Wayne tie-in. Eventually winds up and wraps up and goes, oh, it was all in his head or mum fabricated the whole thing, right? She was mentally unwell. He has no ties to the Wayne family whatsoever. But that's the three but, but quarters then, of the story. No, I understand. And and also, I think that was misused. And yeah, it so what's have been the point there. of it? Why is it there? Get rid of it. Just, no, have it, no, but no, just with some Someone other millionaire. Not. And also, like, I think it's happened before in the comics where the, jo- the Joker is maybe related, but it's not a common storyline of it. Also, don't tarnish, tarnish Thomas Wayne. He's meant to be this figure of hope and when he dies he is, it's tragic. Yeah. That's why it's tragic because he's actually a good man who does good things for the city. Aren't there versions of it where they – because that's the whole like, you know, for instance, um, uh, the the most recent The Batman, the mm. Matt Reeves one, where they mm. go, yeah, Thomas Wayne was, you know, shaky, bit of a grey area, whether he was he was semi-corrupt when it suited him and then he backpedaled. Yeah, I think he, he used his money in the right way. I think that he – he was part of the wealthy elite. That he was a noble guy who would no bend the rules. But he wouldn't punch to. a guy in the face in the bathroom like he no, does no, in the no, joke. No, no. I it was think, all off. I think wrong. anyone who's like, oh, you're the guy who put your fingers in my son's mouth is well within his right. I don't know what you mean. They've put the context <laughs> I he, there. I don't think he do tells you know, that. Do you know who would have punched him in the face? Alfred. Alfred. Yes. X-S-A-S. Yes. Fucking, yep. And he's there fucking taking it like a pussy. Oh, yep. I can't break this. I remember From the guy that weighs as much as a fucking paperclip. That's literally. Oh, we should talk about Joaquin, and he hates talking about this, but Joaquin Phoenix lost like 28 kilos. He looks, Shit. it's disgusting. God, he looks awful. Mm. It's its very similar to uh, Christian, not, it, Christian not Bale. extreme. Christian, Christian Bale, Bale in The Batman. In The Machinist. 
That um, was a weird choice to play the Batman. <laughs> that emaciated. <laughs> Come back so, in the machinist. Uh, machinist. No, look, I tell you what. I'm going to do it early. I'm going to throw in the pal. Oh, my God. you got to warn me for this. I'm on the wrong page. Uh, throw in the pal. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay, okay, okay. We got a <laughs> panic in the room. The panic was real. <laughs> you just punched the boss. Is it okay? Frank, would you like to know my score? <laughs> you said you're going to throw in the pal. Yeah, you didn't know if I was going up or down. <sighs> you assumed. I'm, I'm literally like, you know I'm what they say about I'm, assumptions? It makes a joker out of you and me. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I will drop down to a nine. Um, I'm not even going to press it. No, no, that's so fine. But I love this film. I do love this film. Dropping down to a nine, but I I agree with Chris that the Waynes were misused. They didn't need to be there. You need Thomas Wayne being mentioned in a news story. You need to know that what he's doing behind the scenes trying to build this city up um, and why the riots matter and why there's there's an an uprising, a revolution. And why the Joker would then lead that revolution. See, I'm, so to I'm, speak. I'm with Marcus. There is a 10 in here, but yep. they missed it. But I, not, I want to give it a 10, but they, they went in the wrong direction. Like your Stargate. It's a, it's a jumbled oh, puzzle. It's magic. No, wait, wasn't Waterworld the jumbled puzzle? <laughs> oh, I don't remember. No, it's been a it's all yeah. Stargate was the 11 out of 11 masterpiece. <laughs> Sorry, that's right. That's right. I apologize. <laughs> I just can't believe that, it's so I won't, I won't remember. One yeah. of the wild theories about this film is, you know that scene where he sits inside his refrigerator? Yeah. Um, the theory is that he's, he's in Arkham the entire time. This is a very common theory with this film, mm. is that he never left his cell. So this whole story is just in his head, which I, I hate that. I feel it's just I too s- easy I to hate say. that in almost every movie and it's one of the worst things I think Taxi Driver did for the culture, which is for the listener, we referenced Taxi Driver and and, um, King of Comedy earlier, Martin Scorsese movies from the 70s, I think it was like 74 or something was Taxi Driver and I think uh, King of Comedy was 80 and Taxi Driver is a movie with Robert De Niro playing a pretty similar antisocial character who goes on a bit of a rampage due to what he sees as the corruption and the filth and the mayhem all throughout the city and trying to be like a noble vigilante. And the ending of the movie is infamously pretty impressionistic where he looks in the rearview mirror, sees something, turns back and then the movie ends. And for 50 years people have been going like, well, you know, it's all in Travis's head. All that stuff at the end, that's all imagined. And it's like, I don't fucking care. Like who cares if it's all in his head, if it's well done, if it's interesting. And so when people come with that, I do, like, it's just too often people, like, point to movies now and go, well, it's it was all in their head. And I'm like, that that doesn't make it better. That's, no. That's, no, like, no, no, that's, that's the brutal, like, sort of foster cousin of it was all a dream. Yes. Like, uh, it's just a terrible the they, they do it in, cousin. Yeah. <laughs> they do it in the <laughs> middle of the film here. And so for the second half of the film, every time something happens, you're like, yeah, but is it? Is it? That's yeah. it. And it's like I... You either don't enjoy what you're seeing on the level of reality, which I don't, and it's like if someone goes, but what if it was all in his head? I'd be like, even worse. Like, why do <laughs> yeah. I have to be in his head? Bad, <laughs> bad imagination. I don't him. want yeah. that. Um, I want to say a couple of things just about what I think the Joker represents and does a good job of in certain contexts and why I don't like it in this. Uh, even though, uh, yeah, I think I think the crosstalk that's going on between Marcus and I and Chris and I to some extent, even though Chris hates this movie and we're on a similar <laughs> level, is you guys definitely engage with this on a DC ties into the law, ties into the actual story way. 100%. That I, uh, 
I distance myself from only in the respect that I'm like, I wish this movie were good enough on its own that I could go. And also it's a Joker story. Sure, great. But because it doesn't work anyway, I'm like nothing that it can tie into whether it does explain some origin or whether it does use the Waynes well or not. It just doesn't really work for me. Anyway, the Joker is a great agent of chaos that needs a strong foundation to butt up against and to try and like attack and dismantle. I think that's the Joker, right? Like is there some other? Absolutely. I don't think that works for a two-hour narrative watching him. I think you need him against something. You know, it's kind of like they say um, what Joker says in uh, the Heath Ledger version in The Dark Knight. I'm just like a dog chasing cars. I wouldn't know what to do with it if I got it. This is the dog getting the car and us watching it for two hours. I'm like, yeah, I don't think you know what to do with this. after. Like why would I want to see this guy who's meant to be the guy that my my hero, who may be less interesting. I mean, there's no doubt Batman is not as fun or interesting as Joker, mm. but that's because he's used more sparingly. That's because you only see 40 minutes of Joker in the Dark Knight. It's, it's like you said, going back to the start, I, and I had said it'd be great to see an origin story of the Joker that is full out. We know it's real. We know it's based in reality. But I think you're right. I think what makes the Joker great is he's the secondary character. He's the antithesis of our protagonist, Batman. And we have our Batman story and we have 30 minutes of screen time with the Joker and he's this enigma, uh, Edward Nigma, the Riddler. No, he's... Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's so but he's a mystery, you know, and he's the guy that you don't know anything about and he comes on screen and he tears it up just like Heath Ledger did and that was every time Heath Ledger was on screen in The Dark Knight. It is magical. Like mm. I remember coming out of the cinema when that came out and just being blown away that acting could do that. I was like that is outstanding from a guy from 10 Things I Hate About You but it's a Batman story. <laughs> Again, I and don't disagree. Yeah. yeah. Do you know the wild thing is I didn't want this film. Yeah. When this was announced, I went, mm, fuck, we don't need this. I don't want to know his origin. The best thing about the Joker is the elusiveness and the and the theories and speculation and like just let it happen because he is a secondary character. But him and Batman as, as um, a connection is so vital and so important because it, it is because of the Joker that Batman ultimately – breaks his one and only rule long-term and starts killing people. He breaks his no-kill rule and it's all stems from- In the from, comic books. Yeah. yeah. Or because, the, ben, the Ben Affleck version Because well. the Joker oh, sure. he gets um, a big old gun. ultimately and inevitably breaks him down. Mm-hmm. He just he breaks him in and c- creates what he wanted to create. And it's all just a game to him from start to finish. It's amazing. Um, they should be two worlds that collide when Batman exists, but this film makes them collide- Earlier in existence. Yeah. I don't like it was it. wrong. No, there's, the, there's the line, you complete me. Yeah. And like that's <laughs> yeah. the world's colliding. That's yeah. when we want to And that's see. what you remember when I put my fingers in your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Last yeah, question. Stop bringing that up. <laughs> Last question. Do you want to see Batman in Joker 2? Uh, no. I don't see how that would be possible. Sure. It'd, it'd be time interesting, travel interesting involved. to see. Yeah. Well, what it'd be is, interesting to see if they do it, how they do it. Yeah. I mean, anything can happen in a musical. That's true. I hope they learnt their lesson from this, though, and go, okay, we'll, we'll back off on the Batman stuff. Because Miles Teller yeah. is Batman. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Frank, I know you've got your finger hovering over the button. Can I I really briefly, very briefly <laughs> want to bring something up because it does it does tie back into a previous episode. So let's go. Okay, that's fine. Uh, this was nominated for 11 Oscars, one Best Actor for Joaquin, one Best Original Score for Hilda, 
And the other nominees for Best Actor were Adam Driver for Marriage Story. Uh, we also right. had, yeah, uh, I think it was either Anthony Hopkins or it was Jonathan Price for The Two Popes, one of those two, right? Antonio Banderas for Pain and Glory and Leo for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Sure. So here's my thing. Give it to Leo, definitely. I would 100% vote for Leo over Joaquin's performance in this. But the reason I bring this up is when we talked about Rocket Man, Taron didn't get the nomination. And I would give it to Taron over Joaquin in this movie. I, I re- that's a performance that sticks with me from that same year in a way that this one doesn't. I think you're wrong. I get that. <laughs> I, think I can wrong. tell by the I way you're wrong. closing your hand over yeah, my throat. I love Taron and Rocketman I think is, I mean, his opus. But what you can't deny Joaquin in this. He is. He is I will. I don't care. Yeah, well, Three times, which is a biblical reference, Frank. All right, your condoms. I don't get it. Condoms in the mail. And on, as soon as you bring out the mail. <laughs> it's been late this week. <laughs> oh, well, that was the Joker. And Marcus, you already threw in the power. Anyone else going to quickly throw in? I'll go four. Yeah, throw in Get the power! Because I think that there's something here, but yeah, it doesn't it doesn't register with me. But alright. No, it's a three. It needs a it needs a, a rewrite. There'd be there'd be some magic in there, but never this budget is not this it. boy. I might uh you know I was a seven point seven and I'm gonna stay. Throw in the power. Throw in the power is a Hey Power Productions production and um, what a cheeky ending what for me. What a little twist. <laughs> <laughs> right, did you see it coming, listeners? I'm going to stay. It was made by Tom. And Chris. And Marcus. What was? Uh, what are you talking this about? This show. Podcast. Don't Joker. tell us who you are. Don't Joker was made by us. We don't know who that guy we is. We made Joker. Through in the past.